Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Bruins fans always talking shit about Tuca, so the more... Really? Outside voices, oh, yeah. really, yeah. it surprises surprise people outside. The- you don't know how badly I would want to have Tuka Rask and Mackenzie Blackwood as my goaltending tandem. <laughs> I would be, I would be floored. That's how yeah, happy I would be. When I tell people that like Bruins Twitter like kind of hates on Tuka Rask, they're like, "Why? He's he's the top five goaltender in the league. Like, <laughs> why why would they hate on him?" Welcome to Bruise and Brew in Season 2, Episode 13, a The Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Die Hard, sponsored by Save More Spirits and DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Save More Spirits. Check them out for all your beer, wine, and liquor needs. They have all the macro brews as well as a healthy offering of local beers uh, and craft brews from all over. Uh, they have locations in Somerville, Medford, Cambridge, and Malden, and online ordering from Drizzly and Mini Bar. Uh, and use the promo code Brews and Bruins with an ampersand, no spaces on Drizzly to get free delivery on your first order. Um, yeah, that was a mouthful. Drew, you want to do the DraftKings read? <laughs> oh yeah. This sponsor is also this sponsored. This episode is also <laughs> sponsored by DraftKings. The return we've all been waiting for is finally here. One of the sport's most notorious icons is stepping in the octagon this Saturday. DraftKings, the official fan, uh, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a free shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick fi- just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about football playoffs, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Excellently done, Drew. All right. I'm Chris. That's Drew. We kept him waiting long enough. We're here with Neil Villapiano, the uh, Devil's State of Mind host from uh, our our network, the Hockey Podcast Network. How you doing, Neil? I'm doing very well. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on today. Uh, we're doing okay. The Bruins just lost to the Islanders, and now that is two straight losses, one to your own Devils. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at least you got three points to start the year. You can't argue that. Yeah, it's... Whatever, I'm gonna start drinking. <laughs> I guess I'll I guess I'll join you on that. 
Chris, what are you drinking? I am drinking an is hard hazy IPA beer company. Uh, this is right here in San Diego. It's a beer that I had at our local bar a ways back and uh, always thought it was a great go-to hazy IPA. It's nothing nothing super offensive. So um, taste-wise, I, I mean, yeah, you can taste it. It's probably less flavorful than most uh, IPAs, but give it like an 18. Nice. And then on the drinkability, it's off the charts. Um, but we'll call it literally on the charts. We'll give it a 37. Nice. 37 out of 37. I myself have a hop evolution from Lord Hobo. Uh, it says limited release. And then I like looked it up. There's a QR code, but I think it has something more to do with the cans than the beer itself. Um, but I haven't tried this. A nice double IPA, 8%. So we'll give it a try and give it a little rating. Yeah, you can taste that beer, 100%. So I'm going to give that a, uh, a 21. Let's go Andrew Ference for that one. Um, then drinkability, it's pretty smooth for a double IPA, but you can definitely tell something's hitting you when you drink it. So I'll give, uh, you know, drinkability, I'll give, a, I'll give a 10 for that. Let's go Anders Bjork. All right, well, Neil, you're going to be rating on the Pavel Zaka scale. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, I'm... I'm drinking something called Zero Hour 9 a.m. from uh, Cypress Brewing, which is in Edison, New Jersey. So that's up north uh, from me. So, uh, yeah, um, I've had this before. And, you know, the title on the top that says DDH Imperial India Pale Ale with Mosaic and Galaxy. And this oh, is, hell yeah. Uh, this is kind of what it looks like. Um, I'm a big space guy. So, um, you know, the funny thing is that I – I pick beer based off of the can. I don't pick oh, it because I think it tastes good. I pick it hell yeah. off the can. And I've been pretty good with it. And this is like, I don't know what, what is the, uh, what is 10 points off the highest score on this? I, I'm not, I'm not uh, 20, 27. So yeah, I would say 20.7. It's a darker, it's a darker beer. Um, you could really taste the, um, the ale and I really like it. And it's, um, that's that's something that I, I really enjoy in IPAs. Nice. Right on. But I usually drink um I usually drink my my family's homemade wine. Uh that's something that most of the hockey pod network already knows. Uh my family and I we make homemade wine um uh, in my basement every single uh every single October. We didn't get to do it this year because of COVID nineteen, but we make uh we make wine that we get grapes from, usually California or Florida every year and we make both red and white so that's awesome that's great wow yeah we're not we're not anti-wine on the pod just because of the the title is bruce but uh, <laughs> yes i've been on um i've been on after hours a couple times and so some of some of the boys uh always enjoy the fact that i'm the only person that'll drink wine instead of uh a <laughs> beer usually Someone uh, like tweeted at us about wine today, like the podcast account, and it just reminded me that there was a random episode where Cam just showed up with like a glass of red wine, and like, me and Chris were like, "Beer, all right, let's review this beer." Then Cam's like, "Hello, <laughs> awesome, classic Cam." So we wanted to have you on, Neil, to uh, discuss our two game series that we just played against yep. you guys. Um, one, did any did anything stand out to you from a, a Bruins perspective? in terms of maybe like individual players or just a, a vibe you got? 
the first thing I'll say is that the Bruins have arguably the best goaltending tandem in the National Hockey League. Um, both Halak and Tukarask looked like they were already in midseason form. Um, to be fair, also, the Devils at times played more of a conservative system. They weren't getting too many pucks to the net, so that makes it a little bit easier. But when they did get shots to the net, um, unless it deflected off three or four people, which <laughs> happened with Ty Smith's uh, first NHL goal, um, it really wasn't getting that close to Tukaraska giving up a goal or Halak. And I think that that's going to be the backbone of this Bruins team throughout the season, that they're going to rely on their goaltending uh, very heavily. Their defense is a little bit, I wouldn't say suspect, but like it's much younger than I remember. Now, obviously, you know, the Dana Chara moving on to the Capitals was certainly a surprise uh, to many Bruins fans. It was a surprise to me that the Bruins didn't make them well, I mean, I know they made him an offer, but I guess it wasn't up to his um, his liking. But I would say that their their goaltending really stood out to me. And Brad Marchand looks like he wants to try to win the Hart Trophy after the first two games. And I think what was impressive was the fact that he had sports hernia surgery during the offseason, and they weren't even sure if he was going to play in the first two games. He comes in, and in the first game, he's arguably the best player on the ice, goal assist, game winner in the shootout. Second game, you know, he was kind of in and out, but he still had some chances. And, you know, he, he's, he played very, very well. And, and I think that the Bruins system is very hard to beat when it comes to trying to score three or four goals. The Devils-Bruins series was, I think, the lowest scoring, you know, two games to start the year from any, from any games that we saw. I mean, most of the games were, you know, five to four, six to two, eight to nothing, you know, things like that. It was, that's what you saw. In these two games, it was three to two, two to one. I mean, it was just very low scoring, very good job, you know, defensively from both teams. And the last guy that really stood out to me was definitely Patrice Bergeron. It was a little strange to see him wearing the C, but, you know, again, he looked like the two way forward, the Selkie Trophy winner I've seen in years past. And uh, I think he's primed to win it again. I actually, in, a, uh, in my sports podcast, uh, the Amophobo Network sports podcast, I actually predicted that he would win the Selkie trophy again this year. So I, I think he's off to a good start. So those were, those were the things that really stood out to me from the Bruins perspective. I also didn't realize that former New Jersey devil, Jay Pandolfo was an assistant coach. Oh with yeah. The Bruins. I was mm -hmm. like, huh? And then I think uh, somebody told me, he said, well, you do realize he's from Boston. I said, you know, I didn't realize that. I thought he was from like Canada. I didn't even know he was American, but I thought that was kind of cool. when they were reviewing the, um, the goalie interference they were showing him. And I said, isn't that Jay Pandolfo? And sure enough, that was. He's, he's got a pretty recognizable mug. Yeah, um, for sure. He's, he's, yeah. He's, he's got a nice, he's got a uh, recognizable dome, that's for sure. Yeah, I feel like he uh, he finished his, his career in Boston as a player and then uh, I, I think went pretty much directly to coaching. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Uh, like you said, the this whole series, uh, so we, we talk about, Sean Tierney charting hockey uh, on, on this podcast a lot. And he does a really good job of doing visualization of, of advanced statistics, usually expected goals charts. Um, and the Bruins fell pretty squarely in the dull quadrant of the, and, and I think that's probably going to be until at least David Pasternak gets back the, what's going to be going on. Um, yeah. And I, I appreciate that you mentioned uh, Tuka and Halak. It's nice. We we know that Tuka's great. Uh, tough. Mm -hmm. it, it's mm -hmm. it's tough being on Twitter and seeing a lot of 
Bruins fans always talking shit about Tuca. So the more really outside voices, oh, yeah. really, yeah, it, it surprises surprise people me, outside. The- you don't know how badly I would want to have Tuka Rask and Mackenzie Blackwood as my goaltending tandem. I would be, <laughs> I would be floored. That's how yeah, happy I would be. When I tell people that like the Bruins Twitter like kind of hates on Tuka Rask, they're like, "Why? He's he's a top five goaltender in the league. Like, <laughs> why why would they hate on him?" There are legitimately people on Bruins Twitter who would rather have anybody else. There was a there was a movement as recently as like two years ago about like, man, we really should have just held on to Martin Jones and traded Tuka at that point. Uh, just a. <laughs> A whole okay. lot of yeah, a whole I lot mean, of nonsense. You know, uh, I am also a Sharks fan, in case anybody wants to know that. And I will say from watching enough Sharks hockey, and I think Martin Jones might actually be starting tonight against the um blues. He's okay. He's not what he was like four years ago. And I don't really mm-hmm. know why. And wasn't Martin Jones only on the Bruins for like a day? Yep. Yeah, during got, the draft. He got traded like one from round the of the draft, basically. Right. He got he got traded from the Kings to the Bruins. And Just then like the, the Lucic deal. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the next day he got traded to San Jose. I think for a first round pick in Sean Corrali. I think that was the I think that was that's the not, haul. That's, that's not bad though. That's a pretty yeah. solid because no, I, I think, it's a good deal. And I think Corrali's still on the team, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah. He is, fourth right. line right now, yeah. Right. Fourth liner, right? He's a serviceable um, fourth line center and a pretty good penalty killer. There you go. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised when you said that. Like, you know, people are 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 crapping on Tukarask. I, I look at it like, like you like you said, Drew. He's a top five goalie in the league. I mean, I tried desperately to get him in fantasy this year, and it didn't work out because I know that he's that solid of a goaltender, regardless of whether the defense in front of him is good or not. He's going to make big time saves. You know, I remember back in the 2013 Cup Final, that that game one that went to like, what, three overtimes, four overtimes? Yep. He made big time save after save after save. And people thought, people were wondering when Tim Thomas was no longer the team, like, okay, what are we going to get into Caress? Well, this guy elevated his game so much. And I thought it was so uncalled for that people were giving him such crap when he left the bubble. A uh, couple months ago, I, I thought that was unfair considering his circumstance. Um, but I, I, you know, I spoke to somebody who's an artist who's from, you know, Switzerland, and her favorite player is Tukarask because he's just that good of a player. He's a tremendous person, and I just don't see why Bruins fans would love to have Tukarask for the rest of his career. And then you have Yaroslav Halak, who is arguably the best backup goaltender in the NHL, maybe other than Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation for sure, and it's hard to. Uh, I have twice retired from fighting the fight on Twitter against <laughs> yeah. against really dumb Don't people, and mostly it. mostly just use the mute button uh, if people aren't willing to talk sense about it. Uh, I think the prevailing thought is that he's not mentally tough, and I think that was uh, that's mostly just uh, he had mental toughness during the bubble. I mean, he had. I mean, he was. He, he made it clear that he was going through some stuff, and he was still trying to fight through it because he wanted to help the team win. If that is a toughness, yeah. I don't know what it is. It's it's just the it's the worms in your brain kind of deal where like you see something and you think like, okay, the Bruins won a Stanley Cup in 2011 with Tim Thomas having an unbelievable run as a goaltender, and then you just think that every 
it, you see a goaltender have a hot run like that every year. And what Bruins fans don't understand is like, okay, that is an anomaly. That's not something that you can get out of one goaltender every single year, every right. single playoffs. There's not like, who are you going to replace Tuka Rask with that is going to do that every year? And it just doesn't happen. That's yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know, newsflash, he did help the Bruins get to game seven of the Stanley cup finals just two years ago. It's not like mm-hmm. that he hasn't had success in the playoffs. <laughs> he has done, done things. Now, is it his fault that they didn't win game seven? No. The Bruins offense just wasn't there. He did everything he could. Yeah, trouble because I knew you that. The big, uh, I mean, the big uh, term that gets, no, the big ahead, term that ahead, gets thrown out there is just like that, that Tuka Rask can't win the big games. It's like, he can't win a big game. He can't steal a game when you need one. Okay, well, uh, he's not like Lamar Jackson who like wins just one playoff game and then falters the next week against Buffalo. I mean, it's not like... Kukarak <laughs> has a lot of experience, and you do have to score goals to win. I mean, that, that's plain and simple. You do have to score goals. We Tukarak learned that tonight. <laughs> we've we've yeah. been learning. And, and who started? Who started tonight? Rask, right? It was Rask, yeah. Okay, is it his fault that they lost one nothing to the Islanders? Uh, no. People will probably tell you that, even though the only goal that went in was it bounced off of Bergeron in the slot, straight up in the air and was batted out of the air just below crossbar height over his shoulder. <laughs> right. And, and see, like, look at look at the goal. Like I mentioned before, look at the goal that Ty Smith scored. It hit off of like three people and then went in. How is Rass supposed to somehow still stop that when it, there's so much traffic in front of him and it hits off of two of his defenders and goes in? I mean, like, I'm a former goalie. I played goalie, you know, for, for a while. And I sympathize with this because – there are goals that goalies give up that are clearly not their fault. If it's a cross crease pass where it's a two on one, how is that necessarily the goaltender's fault? If there's only one defender back, what are they supposed to do? You know, if a goal gets deflected through a screen, you know, it, all you got to do is just try to stay in position and hope you get a piece of it. If it hits off of three people, hits off the top of the glass, and then comes back out to the point that someone scores, I mean, how can you blame the goaltender? So I don't get the slander for Tukarask. And if that's the case, then the Bruins, and I'm certain they don't think this way, but if the fans had their way, trade him to a team that actually would appreciate him. I know I would. <laughs> I know I would. I, I thank the Lord every day that Tukarask was my goaltender. <laughs> the funny thing is that, like, you know, and this isn't all Bruins fans, by the way. This I would say it's about like 50 to 60% of fans. Um, which is probably insanely high amount, that's, which that's, is, it is an insanely high, high amount. amount yeah. That's at least on Twitter. That's not necessarily all fans combined, but, but I, uh, I think it's anyone who listens to like Boston sports radio. Yeah. Whoever listens to fell here. Has. Yeah. Well, remember this is the same radio station that loved to talk about the Patriots and Tom Brady for many years. So I, I don't put anything past them. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, that also has to kind of get into the brains of, Boston sports fans because I mean unprecedented run as as a city in terms of winning championships and and the Bruins only were part of one of those and same with the Celtics. I feel like same with the Celtics, that, yeah, right. yeah I feel like that gets into your brain as a fan and conditions you to think like oh well if the Patriots are going to the AFC championship every single year for like two decades right um why why can't the Bruins win another 
uh, another cup. They've had a competitive roster every year. Why not? And it's because hockey is really fucking weird. Like you were saying, Neil, it's uh, so much of it depends on luck. And And hockey is a magical sport. I I say this all the time when I broadcast hockey games um, on hockey TV. Hockey is a magical, unpredictable sport. You never know like what's going to happen. You can't, you you can't really predict anything concrete. You can't say, "Oh, this is a guarantee that's th- that this is going to happen." Well, how do you know? Like, did anybody guarantee on January first of two thousand nineteen that the St. Louis Blues six months later would be hoisting the Stanley Cup? Yeah, no. exactly. Nobody predicted that, and that's and, and and that was the thing. And they end up winning the Stanley Cup, and it's and it's crazy. But that's that's my point. Like, my point is is that. I mean, how many hockey games have all three of us seen where something weird happens and it can only be explained by that's just hockey? Because that's really what it is. I mean, San Jose, you're down 3 nothing in game seven of your first run against Vegas. You were down three games to one in the series. You came back. And in the span of like a minute and a half, you score four goals to take the lead. I mean, what other sport has that? No yeah, other exactly. sport in, in the entire <laughs> world has that. If you get a three nothing lead in soccer, there's no way you blow that. It's unless crazy. you're Barcelona. Unless you're Barcelona or <laughs> or PSG, you could be. You, you, know, you could be one of those. In basketball, what's the equivalent? Blowing a thirty point lead. I've seen that happen. I mean, yeah. I have a Nets fan, and I have seen it. Not necessarily in a in a handful of minutes, though. <laughs> no, it, it's not like five minutes later you went for beat up thirty to being down by two. It just doesn't happen. Baseball. I mean, what? Like, how many times does a team get up eight nothing and ends up blowing it? Doesn't happen often. Hockey. No. You're up three nothing in the first period. You you might as well be panicking at that point because you just especially like, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Or if, you're, or if you're the Devils from like the last five years, where we can't hold on to a four goal lead in the first game of the season against Winnipeg. <laughs> I, w- I will say the the Bruins have over the last three years maybe it seems like have blown a bunch of three goal leads, and mm. I mean I, I think it just happens with every team. Well, you uh, know, it's Tuka's fault. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's Tukarask's fault that you have a four nothing lead and then you don't. Like that. Right. Yeah. It's totally his but fault. It's right. it's why we love hockey. It's it is it's different than any other sport. And I mean, like as much as you want to be able to predict how it's going to go, I always say whenever we do like a, a preview of a game, and anyone asks like, "Hey, who do you think is going to win this game?" Just like I don't. Flip a coin. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, we can talk all we want about like what's what the strategies are, what's going on in the ice, what matchups to look out for, and like what to what teams are going to try to do against each other. And it's not a it's not a coin flip every time. Like there there are teams that have like a sixty five percent chance of winning an individual game against another team. But yeah. any team in the league can beat any other team in in one single game. And that's I mean at the same time a frustrating thing, but also one of the best things about hockey. So. You know what you're signing up for when you watch this game. Exactly. Yeah, I think 100%. I think it's cool because, like, you know, when you look at the NBA at the beginning of the season, you could say, okay, these these like four teams from each conference are going to be like the final four teams. You can, and then you know maybe there's like an odd one that slips in there, but for the most part, it's pretty accurate. In the NHL, you could be like, okay, yeah, the the Bruins are looking good this season. 
they'll make the playoffs, but it, they could wind up being the eighth seed. Maybe they wind up, you know, <laughs> getting out, but like you don't necessarily know. And then from there, how far they'll actually go. Like, like it's in, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's, such it's, an unpredictable sport, and I love it. <laughs> it's much easier to predict, like basketball in particular, because basketball is so revolved around talent. I mean, when you have like you know big threes and you know dominant mm-hmm. teams, nine times out of ten, if you predict, you're probably going to be right because the chances of you know picking the Phoenix Suns to make it to the Western Conference Finals is is very, very small. But if you go, oh, I I think that the Los Angeles Clippers are going to make the conference finals, that's a pretty safe bet to make. Because, again, the game is less unpredictable. The talent wins out at the end of the day. That's just what you see. In hockey, it's not always about talent. There's nothing wrong with luck. If you want to talk about luck, hockey is like 50% luck. It really is. It's 50% skill and 50% luck. I mean, it's just, you know, did I think personally that the Devils would get three out of four points to start the year against Boston? To be fair, no. I thought maybe if everything worked out okay, that maybe they'd get a win in one of these two games or at least two points, which I thought was going to end up being the case before, you know, Sharon Govich scored in overtime. But uh, y- Y'all were going to win that shootout anyway. <laughs> Bruins can't win two shootouts in a row. No, not at all. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever watched the Devils in shootouts, but we 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 clearly don't know how to take a decent shot on goal, let alone (laughs) let alone score. So I mean, same. Yeah, no, same. Last season, especially, yeah, it was it was really rough. (laughs) But you know, thank the Lord that none of us had to experience that. You know, in the (laughs) second game. But again, taking three out of four points, I don't think any Devils fan, if you ask them would have said, oh, I saw that coming. I think most Devils fans would have probably said, we're, we're going to lose both games. Because, again, mm-hmm. we're considered to be a rebuilding team. We're considered to be bottom feeders. Basically, everybody at the Hockey Pod Network has projected in more ways, for the most part, that we're going to finish it dead last. I took I take exception to that because I don't think we're as bad. I don't think we're worse than Buffalo. That's my opinion. But, I mean, it's just that's the way I look at it. So, again, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow against the Rangers. We might win seven to nothing. I have literally no one. You can't. You can't ask me. Like you said, you can't ask me to give you a definitive prediction as to what I think is going to happen tomorrow. I can't. They might win seven to nothing. They might lose ten nothing. I have no idea because that's just how it is. Hockey is a magical, unpredictable sport. Well, so that's a that's probably a good segue into. I was going to ask you. Okay, so. Bruins and Devils play what six more times this year? Yep. Um, and obviously didn't have Heisher, didn't have Zaka. Um, no I think Brett, that no my, Yeah, my 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 impression of of the Devils was, I mean, kind of a slightly different version of what the Islanders tried to do. Maybe not a high flying team, but definitely I didn't see the Bruins getting a lot of really good opportunities close to the net. Um, just trying to limit. Uh, high quality scoring opportunities. So, I mean, when they do get all those players back and, and maybe that boosts their scoring a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. what, what do you expect for the rest of the season and what can Bruins fans expect to see when they do see the uh, devils at their full uh, potential? Well, that's, that's actually a really good question. You know, 
with Lindy Ruff being here, he is much more of an offensive type of coach, and that's something the Devils haven't had the last couple of years. And I think Lindy Ruff wants to, you know, he understands that we have a lot of young talent that could put the puck in the back of the net. Nikita Gusev, Jack Hughes, Igor Sharangovich. We just drafted Alexander Holtz. You know, we had Nico Heischer. You know, I, I see Nico Heischer as a different version of Patrice Bergeron. I've said it numerous times that if his game develops, continues to develop, he could be a Selkie Trophy winner. He's He has that talent. He has that capability. You know, we have Jesper Bratt. We have other guys that have a nose for the goal, put the puck on the net. So I think as the season progresses and everybody on the team, we got our full team going. The offense with building history is just going to improve. And I think also you're going to see a lot of what you saw from Lindy Ruff in Dallas. The defenseman is going to be, you know, coming up in the rush. I mean, we saw it several times during these two games. Damon Severson, P.K. Subban, Ryan Murray. They're coming up in the rush. They're leaving one defenseman back, and it's like having a fourth forward. So that's what I would say to expect from the Devils from the offensive side. From the defensive side, this is the difference. Instead of playing what I would call man-to-man defense where everybody just has somebody, they're kind of doing what I would call like a diamond formation type thing where they're crashing the net. They're trying to get in front and block shots and not allow it to get to Blackwood. And that first period of the first game, looked like every other year for the Devils that I've seen, where they gave up way too many shots, Blackwood having to make a boatload of saves just to keep the Bruins from going, scoring four or five goals. But after that, they improved, and the Bruins at times were not getting shots at all to the net, and they were doing a lot more dump and chase. And that's what Lindy Ruff's defensive system, along with Elaine Nazardine, that's what they wanted to do. And so I think as the season progresses with some of the new players and a new coaching staff, it's going to take time for chemistry to develop. But I think within the first, you know, after the first 15, 20 games of the season, I think you're going to start to see the team really gel together. And I'm not saying we're going to go on like a massive winning streak or anything, but I think we're not going to lose a lot of games getting the doors blown off us. I think more often than not, we're going to lose four to three, two to one, three to two, you know, things like that. We're going to lose games close because Lindy Ruff wants this team to be as ultra competitive as possible. We're not worried about, you know, who we're going to draft in 2021. We're worried about can the guys, the main guys on this team, can they develop? And that's mm-hmm. really what this whole year is about. And our mantra this year is enjoy the ride. It's a 56 game season. It's a sprint, not a marathon. You don't know what can happen. Like we mentioned before, hockey is magical and unpredictable. If the devils play as hard as they played in those, in those five of the six periods that they played, they're going to be a tough team to play against every single night. And that's what I want to see at the end of the day. Just them being competitive more often than not. And I think that's what you're going to see as the season progresses from these guys. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I was impressed by what I saw, especially from mm-hmm. a shorthanded team. And um, I, I do really like Nico Heischer. I think that he brings so much when he when he comes back. I, I think of him like he might be Sean Couturier in a couple of years and I think that's that's a player who could be extremely valuable for right. a, for a team that's uh, trying to make their way out of the basement, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I don't know where we didn't do a a prediction uh, pod or anything like that. I don't, we're I don't we're not was, organized enough to. Yeah, do that. But it, it wasn't intentional. It was just like, yeah, we just never got around to it. I, I don't know where I would have put the Devils, but uh, it would have been toward the bottom. But I don't know if it would have been the bottom. 
uh, Sabres are always that team that's like, hey, they, they got better this year. I think this is the year they make the playoffs, and then it never is. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the thing that like I, I've been getting like frustrated with on Twitter is that a lot of people like talk to me about like, oh, did you watch Taylor Hall play last night? Like, did you see what he did? He scored his first goal as a Sabre, and I'm like, did anybody tell you that Taylor Hall is not on the t- Devils anymore? Like, <laughs> why do I care? I don't care if he puts up 100 goals this season. Like, I really just do not care. I was happy with what he did with this team. It's unfortunate that the Devils didn't do enough, and they kind of were trying to rebuild but also compete, which has never been proven before in the history of sports that you could do one or the other. I wished Taylor Hall nothing but the best in Arizona. I'm not surprised that he no longer wanted to be in Arizona. I'm sorry, Corey and Richie, but no big time <laughs> player wants to be in Arizona. Just being, just being as honest as I can be. And the Devils got good players and picks for Taylor Hall. Kevin Ball is a young defenseman who's six foot six and a, he's just a mountain of a player. Nick Merkley is a grinded out fourth line type player that could get us six, seven, eight goals a year, which is phenomenal in my opinion and also we used i think we used the arizona pick i want to say that was the pick we got for you know dawson mercer which everybody considered was the steal of the first round because he fell that far in the first round so at the end of the day the devils really got a really solid haul for taylor hall and i'm happy for hall that he's he's playing for the sabers um you know, I'm glad that they brought the royal blue uniforms back because I think that they're yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal. And I look at Taylor Hall's situation straight up like this. If it doesn't work out, he could get traded to a contender, maybe win a cup, and then he's a free agent again next year. If it does work out, he signs a long-term deal, and now they have two really good pieces to build the rest of the team around in Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall. It's a win-win for both sides. And the Sabres, if they trade him, they could get a pretty decent amount for him like the Devils did. So that's the mm-hmm. way I look at it. But I wish that Devils fans would stop talking about Hall because <laughs> he's not on this team anymore. I know he was a fan favorite, okay? You know, my ex-girlfriend was in love with Taylor Hall. She even bought a jersey. I warned her about the repercussions <laughs> of doing something like that. But she was getting into hockey at the time, so I let her, you know, she needed to she needed to find that out herself. <laughs> um, but again. That's, you know, good for him, I guess. Uh, we play him on, I think, Saturday. So that'll be fun, I guess. I don't really... My, my roommate's a Sabres fan, so I'll probably end up watching that because it'll be on TV. Yeah, That's what I was going to say is that, like, it's interesting to hear that fans are still kind of just like, look at Taylor Hall, like, on this other team. Because it's like everybody, when Chara, you know, wound up wound up leaving... Uh, it was like, ah, oh, and everyone was like really sad for a bit. Then, but once the season started, like no one has talked about him. It's like <laughs> as if he doesn't exist on Bruins Twitter. And it's like right. I saw, I, I was like, is he even like starting for the Capitals? I haven't seen anything. And then sure he, enough, I turned on the game in like Colorado. 20 minutes. Yeah. But like nobody like, has been talking about him at all. It's like we're all in, like, all right, he's in the rear view. Who cares? So it's interesting to hear that, like, you know, Taylor Hall, although, you know, it slightly. With every team, when you have a guy that, makes you know memorable moments for your team you get like connected to them and that's what's so hard about being a fan and i'm sure you guys can relate is that when you have a player that you really love you get too attached and then if they end up getting traded or they go somewhere else you feel devastated i mean Mm -hmm. the amount of devil's fans that were definitely like 
depressed and sad when Taylor Hall got traded was crazy. I, on the other hand, was like, okay, but I get it. It was going to happen. This is the business of sports. Let's all just accept that. But let's not continue to cheer him on when he's playing for another team. Is every Devils fan going to be ecstatic if we lose 5 nothing to the Sabres on Saturday and he scores a hat trick? I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to be pissed off. I'm going to say, why the, we don't, what the hell are we doing out there? Why are we playing like that? The last time we played Buffalo, we lost 8 to nothing with Louis Domingue in goal. Okay? So I don't want to do that again. I don't want that. I don't. I, I want to go to Buffalo. I like Buffalo a lot. I'm happy that the Buffalo Bills are in the AFC Championship game yeah. this yeah. Sunday, and I hope that they go to the Super Bowl because those fans deserve that after 25 years. But, but if Taylor Hall puts up 100 points in 56 games, I could care less. He's not on the team. And when people were saying, should the Devils bring back Taylor Hall in free agency? Why? You traded him. If you wanted to bring him back, then why did you trade him in the first place? Like, is it, like that's my point. So Taylor Hall is gone. This is Nico Heashier's team. This is Mackenzie Blackwood's team. Forget Taylor Hall. He doesn't. He needs nothing. All he means is that he gave us solid players and draft picks, and I'm okay with that. Especially if those guys turn out to be studs down the road. I'm so glad we got y'all wound up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to talk about before? Uh, yeah, Drew and I are going to hop off and talk about the uh, Islanders game and, yeah, and no Matt Grizzly issue. Um, we're not in a hurry. Grizzlick? We're not in a hurry, though. So if you, Wait, what, if you happened, any... what happened to Matt Grizzly? Oh, he uh, yeah, may have know. broken his arm or dislocated oh. his shoulder. We don't See, know. When I first saw the play, it looked like he like pulled his groin or something. But then I like on upon further review, it was like, oh, no, 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 no. His arm. Because when he was holding his arm after the play, too, you know, he's doubled over. And I thought he was like holding his groin. So it's like, oh, no, what's going on? But, you know, an arm injury is a little easier to come back from than a, than a groin or leg, I would say. Yeah. One of the things that I've always like I've respected about the Boston Bruins in general is that. They have a bunch of guys that really like represent the people that live in Boston, the hardworking lunch pail type players. I remember um, Campbell, number 11, when he was mm, on Greg the Campbell, baby. Soupy. He represented that city so well, that hardworking type of guy. Milan Lucic was like that. Nathan Horton, all those guys, even guys like they have now, you know, DeBrusque, you have Grizzlick, you have McAvoy. You have guys like that that just they represent the people of that city so well. And I really like that. Um, you know, and, and that's and the Bruins are I've never hated the Bruins. As a matter of fact, I, I more I pretty much like them and I respect them. I respect the hell out of them. And I wish my team could be like that, you know, that constant playoff, you know, contender with with guys that want to stay with the team long term. That's what Lou Amorello, the former GM of the Devils, did so well. Guys wanted to play in New Jersey and also play long-term. And that's mm -hmm. why you have a guy like Travis Ajak, who's approaching a 1,000 games in like another six games. Um, he's been in the devil his whole career. Andy Green was like that before we traded him. Martin mm -hmm. Bordeaux, before he decided to have a pipe dream and play for the Blues for about three games or whatever. I don't talk about that. Patrick um, Eliash. Patrick Eliash played his whole career. I mean – I know that hockey, the business of it has changed dramatically since that time, but I would like to hope that I could get guys like a Bergeron, like a Marchand, 
that like a Rask that stay long term, you know, and maybe play their whole career. And that's why signing Nico to a long term extension is such a phenomenal thing. It's really yeah. great because he wants to be here. He wants to be in New Jersey. And that's really that's really all us Devils fans ask at the end of the day. Guys that want to be here and be a part of this team. And I really like that. And I'll also say this, and I don't know if he's still on the team. You guys can tell me if I'm right. But shout out to Connor Clifton, who is actually yeah. from the town next to me. Um, I know mm-hmm. him. I actually know him somewhat personally. Good guy. Solid hockey player. Um, when I saw him on the Bruins, I was flipping out because it was the Stanley Cup Finals. And I was telling my ex-girlfriend, I said, this is why you want the Bruins to win. Because if he wins, he brings the cup to Middletown and we get to go see it. <laughs> so you want them to win. The, and she's like, no, I want the Bruins, I want the Blues to win. I said, no, no. There's nobody from New Jersey on the Blues. Okay? <laughs> nobody there. You want the Bruins to win, so the Stanley Cup comes to New Jersey. Like when Trevor Van Riemsdyk won it with the Blackhawks, I was there. And I was freaking out because the cup is right there. And, you know, that's a, for being from New Jersey, you know, born and raised in Little Silver, New Jersey, I have always been a fan of Jersey people doing well, you know, in sports in general. You know, somebody who plays in the NFL or Major League Baseball, you know, Mike Trout, arguably best player in baseball. He's from Millville, which is obviously very south and more Philadelphia likes to it's claim Philadelphia country. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Philadelphia likes to claim that it's his that the, like he's from Philly, but he's not. He's from New Jersey. That's because he's a fan of the Philly team. He's like he's an Eagles fan. Well, fan and, yeah. But he is a Yankee fan. So we give him we give him a pass. But well, I think he's probably more of a an Angels fan at this point, but well, obviously now, he's <laughs> especially with the money that he's gotten from them. So, Except when um, he's throwing games to the Yankees, that's the only time. That's true. That's true. But, you know, you have guys like Connor Clifton, uh, Kyle Palmieri, obviously playing with the Devils, Van Riemsdyk, Bobby Ryan from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I always, I jokingly have said, and you know, and Johnny Goudreau as well. I've jokingly said, if the Devils had all Jersey players. They would be a very good team to, to play to play against. I mean, they would be a very solid team with a lot of mm. offensive firepower. But, you know, all I can say is, is that I'm proud to be from New Jersey and I'm proud that guys like Connor Clifton are doing well and being consistently good in the National Hockey League, being from these small rinks in central New Jersey. And it just mm-hmm. goes to show that anybody can do it if you just put your mind to it. Yeah, yeah you're probably going to see more of Cliffy Hockey after uh, potentially Grizzly. losing Grizzly for yeah. – <laughs> At least a few games. I went to I went to the same college, Quinnipiac. Well, I went for like two years. You went for his full years, but as Clifton. So I was when when they signed him out, like it was out of the blue, and I was like, oh my god, yes, yes. And I was like writing articles for all these obscure Bruins websites that I wrote for that no one would see, but it was cool because I was like, I'm your inside man. It's not even like I knew him or really scouted him closely. I was like, I went to some hockey games drunk as hell and he was like the captain or some shit and he was good. <laughs> that was my analysis. Uh, but really, really good point, Neil. I, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. Um, Cause yeah, the, the Bruins do have a lot of, players who are either from Boston or went to college in the Boston area. Um, and I do, uh, there are so many good players from the area that it's not like a bad place to mine talent from, but sometimes you get that uh, kind of, uh, you have Don Sweeney who went to Harvard. He's uh, also a Boston guy. So uh, played with the Bruins, obviously. And yeah. so y- you kind of get this, one track mind where maybe you're trying to acquire everybody who <laughs> any any 
a Boston area player who uh, plays in the league. And uh, I mean, that's how the Bruins end up in on like Chris Kreider and like any, any player who right. goes on the market, who's from the Boston area or went to college in the Boston area. And Jimmy uh, Hayes, <laughs> that's, how you like end up, him, that's how you end up with Jimmy Hayes. And that's kind of the, the issue. And, and also the, the like lunch pail type of players. That's how you end up uh, giving David Backus a, huge contract for no reason and uh it can it can be a little bit dangerous but uh yeah. i mean I, maybe that chris wagner contract is is unnecessary too but um but but also you get charlie Coyle and and really good players like that and and charlie mcavoy uh and matt grizzlick obviously went to bu so um the, there's it it works both ways and yeah. i think it, it can be a little dangerous if you if you get too homerish and mm-hmm. try to sign everybody from the area especially when the lion's share of the talent is uh from canada but uh i, I mean we the bruins have those players too so it's a good way to potentially get some hometown discounts but like actual <laughs> hometown discounts like you talk about like poster taking a hometown discount like as in he's played for Boston, but actual ho- hometown discounts, yeah. like, you know, like Grizzly would probably take whatever. And he's like, I'm a Boston Bruin. I'm from the area. Like this was my dream right. as a kid. Sure. That's right. priceless. It's, it's <laughs> the whole thing of like getting the opportunity to play for your hometown team. You're, you're going to want to, you know, take that opportunity and you might say, well, you know, I could go somewhere else and make more money. But on the other hand, I could be playing for my favorite team. And that's kind of like a, a childhood dream realized and that's and that's what it is um i do have one question for you guys um i have smith on my fantasy team should i drop him like is this like is he gonna craig do- smith yeah is he how, gonna do how many i dropped how many teams what, what was the question how many teams in your league i think there's about i think we have 12 in the hockey podcast network uh fantasy league I would say drop him. He's uh, he's he's going to be a third line player. I, so Kosh is no longer. Uh, uh, who knows how long Kosh is going to be out? Uh, so I don't know exactly. Richie before before, but, but yeah, it yeah. looks it looks like they're trying to keep Craig Smith and Charlie Coyle together, and and I'm I think they'll probably start scoring eventually, but I don't know if Charlie Coyle is like he's never going to distribute the puck in the way that David Charlie Krejci Coyle or, is actually available on the. Agent market. I was kind of contemplating him. I was Coyle also could be potential because he's getting power play time. That's okay. really his up. Like Craig Smith isn't getting power play time. Yeah, but as soon as as soon as uh, Pasternak's back, I think that's uh, Craig Smith's on the second power play unit. And I think is when Pasternak's back, I think he uh, Coyle will also Coyle is the guy who gets knocked down yeah. to the second power play. I don't know. I don't think Charlie Coyle's ever. Gonna I'll, be uh, a, a I'll good... definitely look into that. Um, I also right. And I was also going to say I wanted to um, quickly shout out um, – I forgot his first name, but Miller, right? Miller, Kevin Miller. Miller. Kevin Miller. I want to shout him out because Erica Walker, who is um, the um, pre- and post-game host for the Devils on MSG, she talked to him during, I think, the intermission of the second game. And I think they said it was like his first game in like, what, a year and a half? Yeah. And he got into a fight with Miles Wood like 16 seconds into the game. And yeah. I was like, okay, I mean, that's a pretty nice thing. But I wanted to shout him out as well because um, that's pretty remarkable what he had to go through to get to this point. And, uh, you know, shout out to him as well. Yeah, yeah he's, well, he's a talking point on a lot of the broadcasts and stuff because it, it has been a long journey for him. And, and I mean, like, I'm not personally a fan of him. Uh, just he kind of has some shitty political opinions. And um, Oh, okay. 
Yeah, not but as a not, hockey player. Purely as a hockey player. Is it Tony D'Angelo level or is it not as bad? It's on he has the, a nice nickname that we like to call him. <laughs> we we call him All Lives Miller. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's pretty like vocally anti Black Lives Matter, which is kind of oh. really shitty. So, well, um, yeah. but yeah, he he's not as. Uh, but from a hockey way. perspective, and not knowing that information, much respect to him for sure. Yeah. So he's he's uh, if we fo- we don't our podcast doesn't generally only focus on hockey, so we talk about that kind of stuff and and make sure that. Uh, you get both sides of the story there right. where like uh, on ice matters and off ice matters. But like, if mm-hmm. we're talking about just on ice, um, he's a guy who was kind of just like a mediocre third pairing defenseman for mm-hmm. a yeah. pretty long time. Um, signed a contract at the same time uh, as Adam Quaid did. And it seemed mm. kind of weird because they were, it was basically the same contract and they were pretty, uh similar players and it, mm-hmm. it it felt strange but uh both kind of injury prone because they do play a really physical game yeah. and uh yeah he ended up getting hurt really badly but um after like one of his first injuries kind of came back and had like a weird resurgence in terms of uh like learning how to skate his to skating the point- was so much better he could like move the puck which was weird for to, his to place the point style. where it was like okay, we thought Adam McQuaid and he were the same player. And now suddenly you're seeing the 86 uh, and 88 kind of blend together and you might get them confused with David Pasternak if yeah. you're not paying close attention. <laughs> and uh, that that was kind of weird. And then, yeah, so seeing seeing him come back uh, from yeah. a hockey perspective, right. uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. Especially because... Especially because he was like supposed to be coming back, and then I think he injured it like during rehab or something yeah. like that. Like he got close. Like they're saying, yeah, probably like midseason he'll come back, like last year, and then like there was some sort of hiccup. He was in the playoffs. He rebroke his kneecap. Okay, uh, yeah, okay. Like non-contact, rebroke his kneecap, oh. um, which is yeah, not great. Um, and a lot of people were just saying, dude, you should hang it up. Like this is not mm-hmm. this is not your time. And so like seeing him back on the ice is pretty impressive. It Especially is, with is. this young defense, you know, they're favoring some of the younger guys, but he's still kind of like, you know, he's made his role. And I think so far he's made an, enough of an impact that, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to keep him at that, you know, yeah. full time. And I, I don't want to overrate his impact on the ice so far. It's been impressive to see co- in comparison to what we were expecting. It's But he's been, yeah, a third pairing defenseman that won't kill you. There you go. And um, also, I know that uh, today is Martin Luther King Day, like when we're recording this. And uh, I also know that the NHL is celebrating Willie O'Ree, the former Boston Bruin. Hell yeah. Um, and I know his number is actually getting retired when the Devils have their first trip to uh, to Boston, I think, what, in February, correct? February 18th. 18th, yeah. yeah. And I think, that, didn't they also say they're going to have uh, fans there as well? Did I hear that right? Or am I, I don't know. I uh, hope not. Yeah, I kind of hope not. But <laughs> well, I, but, yeah, I, mean, I mean, I'm the same thing. But I, I just, I'm, I'm honored that my team gets to be there to see that moment. That, that's truly uh, impressive thing. So, congratulations to uh, Willie O'Ree, and uh, you know, thanks for, thanks for what you do. You know, I know speaking from just a, a human being, you know, and trying to learn as much as I can about, you know, Black Lives Matter and 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 everything involved in that, especially because you know I do have family friends that are black and I'm friends with a lot of people that are black. I want to try to learn and understand and be as respectful as I can. And, you know, learning about the game of hockey and learning about Willie O'Ree and, and, and Carnegie as well, you know, what he did trying to play for the New York Rangers, 
way back in the day. Um, I'm just glad that we have that opportunity. And, you know, obviously the Devils have P.K. Subban, who is black. Um, and I think it's important. The Devils just announced they, um, they're going to be supporting a lot of local businesses, a lot of, you know, black local businesses, which is great. Yes, yeah, um, that was awesome. And, uh, you know, I- I'm glad to be, a, you know, to cover this organization. And I'm, and I'm honored that my team gets to uh, see Willie O'Ree get the, get the honor that he deserves. So that, that's also really awesome. Yeah, it's been I mean, too long. <laughs> it's, uh, my, my thing is like, yeah, he should have been the. This should have been done like fame. 60 years ago, in honesty. He should have been in the Hall of Fame done. a long time ago. He should have uh, had his number retired a long time ago, but I'm, I'm glad that they're finally doing it. I, zero credit whatsoever to the organization for finally doing it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, but, uh, it's, it, it it's going to be cool Boston, to see. And we, we've, had, we've heard stories in the past about why people don't like, why black people don't like playing in Boston. Um, for different reasons yeah, for sure and and that's even with uh like celtics players who, who have had some pretty terrible things uh, even celtics players who like living in the city have had some pretty terrible things happen to them and uh yeah yeah it's it's pretty inexcusable especially uh the the weird like backlash that comes out every time a an opposing player says that uh they experienced in the city of boston and i mean the it Boston gets really defensive about that shit. And I, I think that's just the wrong reaction. The wrong, the it, correct it is. reaction is to be actively anti-racist and make sure that that stuff isn't in the game anymore. Um, rather than try to defend uh, or wash out the words of the people who've experienced this racism. So you're absolutely, yeah. you're absolutely 100% right. I mean, like, People were blown away, and I don't mean to keep you guys on for too long. But no, dude, I, I think we're just gonna have this be the episode because we don't need to <laughs> yeah. really talk about it. These were the things that we were gonna talk about, like once you, <laughs> once you had no. left. We're talking about it anyway. So I, I would, ju- I would just say that, like you know, the Devils at one time had two, two, three black players on their team at the same time, and people were shocked that it, that they had. You know, we had Wayne Simmons and PK Subban. Uh, we also had Devontae Smith-Pelly for a while as well. Yeah. Um, you know, being in New Jersey, um, you know, we play in Newark, which is predominantly black. Um, and the fact that the organization has done a really good job of being involved in the black community, of getting black people involved in the sport, and also, you know, helping them as best as they can is truly a remarkable thing. When, when we had the situation with George Floyd, and, and the, the unfortunate things that happened with them. The Devils were one of the first sports teams in general to make a statement about that. And they weren't even playing in the, like, they weren't going to be playing in the bubble. They weren't doing anything. But they spent the time and effort to make that statement and to be involved. And we had protests in Newark, and they were all peaceful. There was not a single riot. Like, there was no, no nobody got hurt. Nobody, nobody got shot. Nothing happened. They were Everybody was arm in arm and people were, people like to make fun of Camden, you know, down in South Jersey by Philadelphia, where people say, oh, it's such a, it's such a horrible place to live. Well, they were actually one of the best supporters of Black Lives Matter, both the police as well as the people that lived in that community. Mm-hmm. And to have an organization like the Devils that does something that gets involved like that makes me very proud to be from the state. It makes me very proud to be a fan of the team. 
Um, yeah, and and there's one thing to say for uh, for organizations doing uh, making performative gestures, but it's it's good to see organizations that are actually willing to uh, put their money on the line and, and do stuff that actually matters in, in that field. And I, I think the the most important thing is not for uh, white fans to be proud of their organization for doing stuff, but it's making a safe space for uh, black people and people of color to feel included in in that realm and uh, in, in a sport that's so aggressively white. Um, right. To, to make it accessible and, and make it uh, welcoming is really important. What was yeah. really impressive. I, I'm sorry, Drew. I, I didn't mean to cut go you ahead. Off, go but, ahead. But no, I was just going to say that I gave the NHL credit for making the statements that they did during the bubble, because out of all the sports that we have in the, in, in America, the one that's the most predominantly white is, is hockey. I mean, there's just no way of saying, I mean, you know, major league, Baseball, you have people of different color from, you know, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Costa Rica, you know, players like that. Soccer is the most diverse sport mm -hmm. in all the world. Football is predominantly black. Basketball, predominantly black. Hockey, predominantly white. And the same thing goes for not just the players and coaches, but fans as well. Mm -hmm. And for them, even with just a couple, you know, Matt Dumba, Ryan Reeves, you know, guys like that, for them to convince these Convince the NHL, convince the player to be with them and to have their support was great. And I wish that people would have listened more to what the NHL had to say about it. Because I know people that said, oh, well, who really cares about hockey? You know, who, you know, who pays to it? If you really listen and understand, hockey does a very good job, not 100%, but it has improved of being really inclusive with everybody, anybody, you know, we have the hockey is for everyone movement. And that goes from race to gender, to, you know, sexuality, you know, everywhere. And that's really important. I don't see the NBA having that. I don't see major league baseball having that. The NHL does that and it's huge. And that's really what is important here because it's not about just supporting the, the black community or any other community of color. It's understanding what they're dealing with to the best that you can, especially if you're not of that color, and understanding what needs to be done to improve and prevent this systemic racism from continuing. Because we've let it happen for hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of years. And now only now are we really starting to make change and really be like, no, we're not allowing this to happen. And it still happens, unfortunately, especially, you know, you guys are on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I mean, how many times do we see some racist remark or sexist remark all the time? I Almost daily. You know, it's I, there all the time, yeah. And I, and I, like, pay attention to who I follow and shit, but then you see it, like, happening to these people, and it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, exactly. we're, we're, we're making exactly. sure that, that our community on Twitter is, uh, at least with us, is a, is a safe space and – and yeah. anyone can be a part of that. We've we've devised, you know, a lot of us Devils fans, we've we've pretty much said it, you know, point blank that like that's that type of stuff is not is not tolerable here. Like if you're gonna do that, like you're not a real fan. Um, you know, I am a huge fan of I don't know if you guys know her, but her name is Amanda Stein. She is the beat reporter for the Devils. She's the team reporter, actually. She's on Twitter. Um, she just she does all the interviews and stuff. She gets harassed. 
on a like a daily basis for just being a woman covering hockey. Yep. And I'm so tired of that shit. I, 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 excuse my language, but I'm so ah, don't tired worry about of it. it. This, this is a like fuck shit. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I, I'm, a little bit, I'm a little bit more. I'm a little bit more. If you guys have listened to my episodes, I'm a little bit more like you know, PG. I guess you would say. Like mm. I, I don't drop a lot of this, but like Just drinking so, comes with the territory. Right. Well, uh, you're right. I'm, I'm like quarters of the way done with this, and I haven't had dinner yet. So just bear, bear with me here. There but you go. I'm so tired of that shit. I've said before, like she doesn't deserve that. She's just doing her job. And for people to just spend the time to create a Twitter account or a social media account to just say some stupid shit like that is ridiculous. Like you, like it, and we just obviously saw the, you know, president of the United States get, get banned from all these social media accounts. I wish that that could be easier to do on all these social media accounts for other people because it's just not, it's not acceptable. And I don't appreciate it. Sarah, Sarah um, Sivian, who covers the Carolina Hurricanes. I think you guys are Bruins. Yeah, she's, uh, she's, she's, from, she's from Boston. How many times have we seen her get absolutely like annihilated from people? Like, when do people just get a, you know, some common sense in their mind and just be like, mm-hmm. do you realize how stupid you look by doing this behind a screen? I mean, it just knock it off, man, because people have proven time and time again that they could do this job just as good as the other person. They yeah. can. I've worked with so many women in my lifetime and there are women that I know that do a better job at their job than men do. This is just a fact. And I'm Mm -hmm. a big fan of the national women's hockey league and their season starts this upcoming week. Super excited, especially because the games are going to be on. Who's your team going to be? I'm a, I'm a Riveters fan because they used to be Devils affiliate Riveters fan. We got Phil Kessel's sister on the team. We're good. You know, she's awesome. Um, We got Rebecca Russo. We got a couple other players that are just phenomenal. Um, but I'm a big fan of like that whole, you know, women, women's equality is very big to me. Um, you know, there's only one woman that lives, you know, in this house and that's, you know, that's my mom and I respect her so much and I respect so many women so much because so many women out there just work hard as hell day in and day out to just do a good job to be respected and to be, you know, you know given the, the, you know, given the honor that they deserve. And for people like Amanda Stein, for people like Sarah Sivian and, and so many women that cover these teams and cover sports in general, um, for what they have to go through and then still do a good job is a, is a testament to them really. Yeah. And also, uh, I, I recognize how doubly hard it is for women of color in, in hockey, mm-hmm. uh, to be navigating multiple, um, <laughs> multiple things where, yeah. So we, we had our, our friend Jen on last week to, to talk about a lot of these issues. And, and one of the biggest things is just making sure that we're always talking about this stuff and, uh, making it as uncomfortable as possible for people who have these bigoted views. Um, if you like our podcast and you feel, uh, oh, if you, if you have racist feelings or, or sexist, uh, feelings, uh, fuck you. Like we don't want you listening to our podcast yeah. and that's, there you go. We, don't we give wanna, us your downloads. Don't give us your rating. We, we don't care. Uh, we, we want you not in this space. Uh, and I think just, just having more, more people around who, who have these feelings, uh, and, 
correctly want the hockey area to be more inclusive. Um, having people speak out about it is really important. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're yeah. on the head and I'm, um, you know, I'm all about it. I'm all about, I'm very big black lives matter. I'm very big, you know, pro, you know, giving women the opportunity. Um, and, you know, I'm going to try very hard to emphasize the national women's hockey league on the devil state of mind podcast, you know, because, you know, it's, it's important. And I want people to know that this league exists, that there are women out there that are super, super talented. And some of the women that you see in the Olympics are also playing in this league. You had Amanda Kessel. She plays for the Riveters. And she, you know, she played in the Olympics. Like, people know her. And I want that. I want yeah. people to watch these games and, sit and say to themselves, wow, these women are just as good. Yeah. They really play. I mean, you know, um, uh, Cof- you know, Cofield. She's the biggest one that people know. She's, you know, she broke out on the stage because she she apparently is faster than Connor McDavid, which is <laughs> which is actually incredible if you ask me. Um, yeah. And I just want people to understand that like this is important. These are this is the new age, this is the new era we're in, ladies and gentlemen. Like it's in order to get comfortable, you got to get uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I give you guys a lot of credit for what you do here on this. On, on the Bruins podcast, I give you guys a lot of credit for doing it. I've listened to several episodes, and I am a huge fan and supporter of what you guys do 100%. Um, Appreciate it. And, and I'm really, you know, I, you know, they're not, there just isn't that many podcasts in the world in general that really, really, you know, talk about these things other than just what happened in a hockey game. And I think yeah. that what you guys do is phenomenal. And, you know, I, I support that 100%. Yeah. And we, and we just want to make sure that like, we're not doing that so that we receive credit for doing that. We're doing, uh, making sure that people feel comfortable in, in this space with us and not, uh, not for the adulation or anything like that. Absolutely. Um, all right. I think that's probably it. Uh, great episode guys. That was, uh, yeah, we, we hit on pretty much everything we wanted to do. Uh, Plug your your Twitter, plug your podcast. Yeah. what What you got going on? So yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Devil State and on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. We also have a Devil State of Mind uh, Facebook page where you know all those. I usually post where the episodes are. We post a new episode today, like everybody else did here on here on Monday. Um, I also interact to try to keep you guys up to date with you know the news. You know, we just acquired. Well, we didn't acquire. We picked up Aaron Dell, goaltender from the Maple Leafs, off of waivers today. So if you go check it on my on the social medias, you can check it out. Um, you know, you can follow me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and also my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11. Um, you can check out the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast where I talk about all things going on in the world of sports. Uh, Mofobo Network Sports presents on YouTube where I post a weekly video about whatever I feel like talking about that's going on in sports. Um, and also buy my books. Uh, I have a Jets book called J-E-T-S Pain, 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 which is about the pain and suffering of being a Jets fan. It's um, fucking awesome. Absolutely incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I love that you guys like that. Yeah, it's um, an incredible title. Um, actually, oh I don't know God. if people could see, but I actually, um, I'll show you guys really quick. Um, <laughs> here is the Jets book. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Because I would always say J-E-T-S sucks, sucks, sucks all the time when I as a Patriots fan. So that that's awesome. <laughs> that's go. an awesome. And I also um, yeah, and I also posted another book back on uh, Black Friday called Meet the Mets Mess. 
So it's uh, about, the Mets, about the regrets of being a Mets fan. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, if you're both, I feel really sorry for you um, or anything like that. Go check those books out there for the price of 1969, which I think if you're a sports fan, you probably know why it chose those prices. But um, as um, as Bayou Benders of the Habs Nightly Podcast would say, that is my paragraph and a half um, promotion for myself. But uh, again, thank you guys so much for having me on. This was a blast. Um, and uh, I definitely would love to be back on in the future. But, I, but again, thank you guys really. 100%. Of course, man. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, this was the season two Charlie Coyle episode of the podcast. And uh, sure, that's it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>